0: This is Pixelated Audio, and you're listening to episode 172, Uchu Kebitai SDF. All right, welcome back to Pixelated Audio, a podcast focusing on game audio, its history, and the people behind it, we're your hosts, I'm Brian, and this is Gene. Hey. And today we're going to be playing music and talking about Uchu Tai SDF for the Nintendo Famicom, released in 1990 by HAL Laboratory, composed by Jun Ishikawa and Zap Rodeo, a.k.a. Hideki Kanazashi.
1: Yeah, Jun Ishikawa, early experience with body horror, you know, before the Kirby series. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> I'm just kidding. I have to get that in there. Um, yeah, so... Uh, that track that brought us in was the uh, the starting demo it's short but nice little punch to start off the episode excited I've been wanting to to cover this soundtrack for a while it's it's a short soundtrack maybe you know a whole 10 15 minutes worth of audio but there's a lot of energy packed into this uh even though the game isn't exactly that fast moving so Yeah.
1: You know, it sounded a little bit like a Konami soundtrack when you played it for the first time. I didn't realize it was Hal until I kind of looked into it. But yeah, I I know almost nothing going into this show, so I'm kind of letting Brian (laughs) drive. But I like the music. I like what I've heard of it so far.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's a cool little soundtrack. It's got uh, just these, you know, kind of high energy uh, tracks that we're going to be listening to throughout this episode. But the game itself is not really that fast paced. But it does kind of give you that sense of urgency, that sense of... um, Uh, kind of stress that you would expect from any other shooter on the Famicom now Uchu Kevitai SDF like literally translates to like space defense force team or whatever and SDF is space defense force so I don't know why they they sandwiched it up like that but sure Um, (laughs) the game was released for the Famicom in summer of 1990 so fairly late in the console's lifespan and it was both published and developed by HAL Laboratory so We'll get into the company a little bit. We've talked about them before, but let's start off with uh, stage one. So let's take a listen. was from stage one composed by Jun Ishikawa and Zap Rodeo aka <laughs> Hideki
1: Kanazashi it's hard not to say it like that I love those pseudonyms that people use I know that for all the reasons we talk about it you know an anonymity and poaching and things but Zap Rodeo is a pretty great one I gotta that, admit that's a good one that's a good one
0: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get more like American cowboy than that uh, Hideki Kanaz- uh, Kanazashi had a lot of these pseudonyms and we can talk about that a little bit later but this track is really punchy that bass is is so driving and just really sets the uh the the, the scene and the mood for getting you started off on this game. And the game itself is just I guess it's what you would expect from any other shooter. There's not really a whole lot there, but that music really definitely ups the uh the ante a little bit.
1: Oh yeah. I love 80s uh Vertical shooters. Uh, I I grew up playing a lot of Starship Hector or Hector eighty seven as it was called in Japan. Just right. to give you an idea of how late this game was coming out, like what three or four years later. So yeah, <laughs> and, you know it's
0: been a while since we actually just did a, a good old fashioned you know Famicom soundtrack. So excited to, to kind of go through this actually we've been doing a lot of you know kind of offbeat and stuff and uh you know kind of spotlights on certain uh things like canyon.mid we did and uh <laughs> it, it's it's fun to get back into uh some japanese shooter nes stuff so yeah pretty cool how labs uh as a game developer we talked about on probably four or five episodes at this point at least they were founded in 1980 and started off doing titles for the msx and the vic 20 but later began developing strictly for nintendo and its platforms and the relationship between nintendo and hal is interesting but to put it short like nintendo bailed hell out of uh financial like rough patch because yeah. they were they were struggling with you know just the business was just struggling and it, it wasn't doing so good but they had a lot of talent there so, HAL became almost like a member of the Nintendo family, even though the companies are financially independent from one another. And then, to go a step further with the relationship between the two companies, when this bailout happened, Nintendo was like, okay, so we want you to make games strictly for us, but the president of HAL was was on board with that, however, said that he would like to see Satoru Iwata become the Nintendo president. And that's hmm. that's an, an interesting request there and the fact that it actually ended up happening was <laughs> was <laughs> also kind of strange I, i'm not sure if that actually was the deciding factor but it could have led to that and huh. um, i know we brought this up before but um a little bit about iwata he got his career start off as a uh, software engineer at hal so it was probably this uh i want to say like hey this is one of our guys can you make him the <laughs> can you make him the lead here and uh, another fact about HAL is that uh, I remember we talked about this way back in like the Kirby episode that we did. But it got its name simply because each letter in HAL is before IBM. Oh,
2: <laughs> sure. Not sure why that's
1: I, even relevant, but. I don't know. Maybe maybe the, the characters uh, sit a little bit differently in the phone book over in Japan. Because <laughs> that was the whole like. Get your name with as many A's as possible in yeah. English. You yeah. know, quadruple <laughs> A plumbing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. Let's get to another track here. This is the boss track. Uh, this plays after all the stages, uh, except the final stage. Let's take a listen.
1: That was the boss theme from Uchu Kebitai SDF. And honestly, what's there to say? It's a very very short tune. It's like 12 to 15 seconds.
0: Menacing boss track. (laughs) Exactly. That was pretty good. good. I mean, again, it's that sense of urgency. Not really, you know, that, you know, bombastic or anything. It just does its business, gets out.
1: The boss is approaching. Take it or leave it, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's listen to uh, stage two from Uchu KB SDF. from stage two and there's again not much to say this is the reason why i wanted to sandwich these two together is because they're both short and they they, (laughs) you know it's it's got this really like weird kind of like ambient background like filter thing going on that's just like you know it's not it's not like i don't know that exciting but it's got this uh again this like really growling urgency that uh something is
1: is coming up but yeah, it interest, never does <laughs> interesting use of that rolled kick drum. I thought Brian was tapping the mic at first. I'm like, what, what's going on here? That's just they decided to get a little bit clever with uh, retriggering that sample. It's a, it's an odd effect. Uh, I don't know if I like it, but it's
2: it, hey, it was not, a choice. <laughs> not every
1: track is
2: amazing
0: in the soundtrack. But uh, let's That's let's fair. go ahead. Let's go ahead and I, I want to talk about the composers, but let's move on to stage three and then we'll get into. It. All right, sure.
1: was stage three from uchu kebitai sdf and uh classic space shooter adventure on this one great track dude this is (laughs) this is uh every time i hear this it reminds me
0: of contra the the part that you're you're you know going uh it's like the the vertical moving one where you're going through the i don't labyrinth the facilities you know where you have to move Forward. Oh,
1: oh, sorry. I think about the jungle. Yeah, no, no. When the, when it's the like kind of the behind the back. Yes, sort of yes, yes, yes. Reminds
0: me of that, like right away.
1: I yeah, I like can they, see that.
0: Yeah, they took some of that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I. You know, we didn't get a chance to talk about it before, but I got to say, Hal during this period was really like kind of it. You know, they were doing some interesting stuff. I'm I'm curious why Nintendo chose them out of any of the third party developers to partner with because there were so many Japanese companies we've talked about on the show that. You know, if things had turned out differently, it could have been them. I mean, they were making cool and interesting games. They just went by the wayside or went a different direction. Um, You know, I I just don't know what it was about Hal specifically that caught their eye. but I don't know exactly
0: what the the relationship was beforehand. I mean, Iwata probably had some sway in this, but... At the same time, there was a lot of talent there, oh, no a lot doubt. of engineering yeah. talent, and they, they and, went and, on
1: to be an amazing company for Nintendo. I'm not saying that it was the wrong choice. It was just like, you know, like, it, it, what is it? Um, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But like yeah. on the surface, they don't look all that different from any of the various Japanese devs we talked about. There must have been some inside knowledge we just don't
0: know about, Yeah. because it, it, it seems like to it's not like Nintendo to just bring on a third party like that. Even back in the nineties, yeah, like, they were very selective. And, yeah, and and so they must have seen the um, there there must have been something behind the scenes with you know understanding the talent, understanding the uh, the way that the company works. Maybe it it fit in with the Nintendo's you know culture and at the time, and it just seemed like a very natural selection so yeah it's hard to say all right so the sound team for this was Jun Ishikawa and Hideki Kanazashi Jun Ishikawa is a Japanese composer and sound designer known for his work at HAL Labs and he joined HAL in 1990 just before Hiroaki Ando we we talked about Hiroaki Ando before on the show and he's often worked alongside Ando in a lot of his uh, a lot of soundtracks. But on occasion, he's done some solo stuff. And some of the examples of Ishikawa's work uh, are, as the leading composer, are on Kirby Superstar, um, Alkais, and Hyperzone. So this is the, the, the premiere soundtrack that he worked on. So if, you know, a lot of this is, um, this is any example of the, the work that he's done, it's definitely
1: a, um, a strong start. For sure. Yeah, I mean, don't need to sell him short, Brian. He's basically Mr. Kirby. Jimmy yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, he's written, I think, I don't know, most of the mainline games, probably a couple of the side games, too. I'm looking at his... Uh, a- Nintendo, alongside a
0: lot you know. of others, though, for sure. So, I mean, for sure. not, not 100% responsible for all the work, but yes, is very yeah, yeah, a yeah, notable yeah. composer for the Kirby series.
1: Exactly. And, you know, it. it what, was, uh, what year was the original Kirby game? Was that 91? Was it like right after it was, this? I think it was... 89. No? Uh no, I think it was later than that. Wait, was he not on that one? Hold on. Uh, uh yeah, I'm, I'm sure he was. I
0: think Junichi Kawada did the original Kirby and then uh did Yeah, so the first I think the first the first one was 1989 for the Game Boy.
1: And then oh, 92, 92 for the Game Boy. I'm looking it up. Yeah. Oh, is
0: it 92 for the Game Boy? Okay.
1: Yeah. At Kirby it was later it, it always feels like it was earlier than it was but it was actually even later it was like 92 93 <laughs> right because like I, I think that it came
0: out for like Kirby's dreamland was um one of the ones that uh, we we did a whole show on it right like back in like beginning of this podcast like yeah I think in, in, in
1: episode... 1993
2: we did that show
0: yeah pretty <laughs> <laughs> <Very> much <laughs> yeah but uh the the soundtracks are all stellar. They've oh. got a lot of bubbliness to them, but this one definitely is a, a different caliber. So, <laughs> <laughs> I I really like it. I think it's uh, it it you know holds up. It's a great NES soundtrack. Let's talk about Hideki Kanazashi. But first, let's play Stage Four. Short but sweet, that was stage four from Uchu Kevitai SDF. So Hideki Kanazashi was a composer at HAL Laboratory where he worked on music and sound from some of the earliest games, including the Egerland series, along with Hiroaki Suga. He's appeared on credits with different pseudonyms. I I think Zap Rodeo is the coolest one. (laughs) He's also got Rodeo Kanagushi, uh, Zap Ajisai, Escaper Kanagushi, and uh, probably a lot more. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at his list here. The one that jumps out to me most is the Adventures of Lolo series. That's probably at least in the U.S. the one that it was the biggest of all of the games I'm looking at.
0: Absolutely, there was. I mean, there was Air Fortress. Um, that was a pretty good the, one. Yeah, Mock Rider, F1 Race, uh, Adventures of Lolo Two, Rollerball, Adventures of Lolo Three. And I think um, there was a, a Famicom Disk System game on there. I can't remember which one. Oh, that was um, 3D Hot Rally. Yeah. Oh,
1: right. Yeah. And yeah. Who could forget Othello? Oh, Brian, yeah. come on. <laughs> Sorry,
0: <laughs> thought I mentioned that first. <laughs> but yeah, like a pretty stellar and long-running composer at how did a lot, a lot of stuff all the way from you know the the early early mid 80s to. Uh, 1991 apparently so yeah good old-fashioned zap rodeo
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you ready you for ready? stage five i don't really have anything else no i'm good to, i'm mr good to jump in. let's do it yeah all right this is stage five <laughs>
1: That was Stage 5 from Uchu Kebitai SDF. And it's kind of a weird track. Uh, yeah, the the bass line is. is like a little unsettling. Well, <laughs> I,
0: I don't know if it's the earphones I'm using right now, but I mean, the bass is really, really intense. Like, oh, yeah. really intense, like overpowering, which is um, it's pretty cool, too. It kind of has a little bit of the sun soft, but maybe a little rounder. Instead of that, that edginess, but at the same time, it's got a lot of the drive
1: that we hear from some of the sunsoft titles. Well, yeah, it's I, don't a, know. I it's like a, this. It's a fast moving base with like pitch bend on it, so it creates this kind of like ooh, kind of loopiness to it, which you don't hear a lot. Uh, I can see why, but I think for a vertical space shooter, it makes sense. There's a yeah. lot of you know, like you're always got enemies closing in on you, that sort of thing. Let's solo that out for a second.
0: yeah <laughs> definitely has uh, that intensity <laughs> yeah I'll say <see. laughs> anyways let's uh, let's talk about the game SDF is a vertical shooter it's fundamentally pretty simple there's not really any points scoring or HUD on the screen so it keeps you in the pure action it's not really that frantic so it tries to keep you focused on destroying everything since stuff can shoot you from off- screen behind you uh, it's it's a kind of frustrating actually i was just playing it (laughs) a few minutes ago and it's yeah like if you don't kill something like you might have a just this random like bullet like you know fly at you from behind so the game though uh unlike a lot of shooters is is pretty slow moving so it just doesn't have the same i guess urgency if the music wasn't on (laughs) you know what i mean uh, there, are some, there are some power-ups and capsules that just kind of appear and they give you greater firepower, uh, reconfigurable armor. And that's kind of the main selling point here to kind of boost your, your ship up. And um, there, there's armor that can be moved to the front of your ship or the back. Um, and it will destroy enemies too if you happen to ram into them so yeah the faster you rear it'll also grant a special um small
1: speed boost so learning to use the armor is pretty key to surviving the game so i haven't played this one and i definitely you know i just watching video of it i don't see anything really to set it apart but you know you know what though sometimes it comes down to just wanting to put on
0: something that you haven't played and Get that's true. You know, it's not it's not one of those titles I'd be like, oh, man, you know, I can't wait to get home and play Uchu, you know, Kibitai SDF. It's one of those things like, hey, I'm just scrolling through my my list of things here, and oh, yeah, just pop it on, play a little bit, turn it off, be
2: done.
1: Yeah, and, and that's fair. To be honest, I've been trying to get a little bit into shmups lately, not like, you know, high-level play or anything, but what I found is often, like, really subtle differences is the difference between whether the game really gets its hooks in me and it's something that I kind of play a couple of levels of and just sort of fall off. Right. I don't, this, I, it's it's and, and there's so many of them out there that you really got to find the one that clicks with you. Yeah, I
0: wouldn't say this is the one that clicks with me, but it <laughs> it's, it was enjoyable. I I like the game. Let's listen to stage six, and we'll be right back. by
1: Jun Ishikawa and Mr. Zap Rodeo. You know what's interesting about this pairing, and we don't talk about this nearly often enough, but like that sort of mentor uh, relationship, like mm-hmm. we now think of Jun Ishikawa as kind of like this legendary composer who's been around the block, but this was his first game. So a lot of the interesting Famicom tricks definitely have to come from Zap Rodeo, because these are all like advanced late NES stage, you know, Percussion channel pops and weird uses of absolutely square wave. Because like, honestly, I don't think I would have been able to come in and figure all that out as a first game while I'm like actively writing music and developing. Like, so I, 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 it's not a name uh, that we see that often because he kind of worked for Hal during the period where it was mostly still Hal and then left at least composition. But yeah, uh, what was what was his actual name? Sorry, Hideki Kanazashi. I, I definitely think he imparted a lot of really important. Like sound design tricks to help him on his career, T- Junichi and the the fact that this was a
0: later game, there was a lot of kind of library in Hal's um, repertoire to base their sound off of as well. I think that's that true. Was, yeah, you know, not not only you know the, the mentorship, but also just the historical you know backlog of titles they already had with amazing soundtracks. So let's get into stage seven here. And uh, take a listen.
1: Stage seven, or the final stage of Uchu Kebitai SDF, and surprise—it's the biomechanical level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: it's a cool track. I—I I really like the—the um, the, it's almost like engine sounds, right? Like the the you know, it's it's got this um, really just kind of throbbing, uh, pulsing, disgustingness to it that uh, I, I think gives it a lot of the, the, the meat for sure.
1: You know what's interesting about this soundtrack is I was kind of expecting a little bit more you know, the upbeat, you know major scale adventure stuff this one, yeah, heavy very heavy usage of, I'm going to call them effects, for lack of a better term mm-hmm. but you know, dissonance low rumbles, weird percussive things, I won't compare it too closely to like Metroid but I think it, it's using kind of that sort of sound palette a little bit more than like your typical vertical shooter game, uh which I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, I'm glad to see that they were doing something a little bit different. Yeah, you know, the
0: interesting thing about this title is that the game itself, uh, being a later game, it uses the uh, the Nintendo MMC5 mm-hmm. mapper, and this is a like a, a a game pack board that basically is assigned to mapper five. Some games that use it were Castlevania 3 Just Breed, uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, well, one of the first games was Nobunaka's Ambition 2 but anyways the, the thing is this actually had a, a lot of advanced features for uh, the system and this is know, I mean, obviously 1990 a little bit later so there was a lot of these tricks ironed out and so it had even um, like scan line detection with counter configurable IRQ um, 128 kilobytes of WRAM, and while this game doesn't use them there's three extra sound channels. So there's two pulse channels um, identical to those on the NES APU and also an eight bit raw PCM channel. Now, again, this game doesn't use any of those, but it's, you know, it it had the ability to do it. And it could have just been, they just didn't utilize that sound or they had maybe developed it uh, or written the sound without considering the hardware, but they could have even taken that step further if they had chosen to.
1: Well, they might have had bigger plans for it. I mean, I'm looking at the, like you mentioned, some of the games, but uh, uh, Castlevania 3 and Hal's later game, Metal Slater Glory, which is like one of these super rare, expensive games that uses, you know, the extended sound chip. So they may have thought that, like, this was a good, uh, you know, tester game to put on that. And, you know, maybe budgetary reasons they couldn't get around to doing the more advanced stuff. But uh, there were what I... I'm trying to remember. What was the Mario 3 one? Was that MMC 3? Or am I, am I thinking of something else? What was the Mario, Super Mario Brothers 3 game mapper? Ooh, good question. I thought, I thought that one was also on, because, you know, it had like, the smoother scrolling and stuff like that. Right, right. Um, I, I can't hmm. keep the numbers straight on which one it was. Oh, the, yeah, it was in the, the MMC 3. So, yeah. Oh, I was, was it the MMC 3? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I know, yeah, no we talk about that too. You know, like the whole idea of the, the mapper chips. It wasn't just the audio, of course. For our show, it makes the most sense, but smoother scrolling, um, nicer sprites, all sorts of additional features that make NES games kind of uh, stretch the lifespan of the system out a little bit longer. There are some neat effects in
0: this game. Like some of the asteroids have this like rotating, moving effect. It looks really neat um, for the time. It was it was a lot simpler than just like a like a single sprite that doesn't move right like this actually has some kind of depth and and uh art to it so yeah i mean you know why they didn't use the extra sound channels i don't know but maybe it just wasn't in the cards for this title so we have another track here this is actually an unknown track because it's only available in the sound test of the game which uh, i was looking on the cutting room floor you have to like be on the title screen and hit a b start and select same (laughs) time and then you can yeah it's one of those hidden sound features but really cool nonetheless glad it has that in there this is uh, unknown tracks let's take a listen unknown track from the game Uchu K B T S D F, SDF, composed by Zap Rodeo and Jun Ishikawa. This is probably my favorite track in the game.
1: <laughs> I like honest. it, but I, I'm kind of, I'm trying to put myself in the, the mind of the composers. And I think if I had to guess, it's tonally a little bit different from the other ones. Like It's absolutely different. Yeah. The stage one track has a little bit of that, but then it's sort of like, okay, enough with the, the happy stuff. Let's go into the weird... <laughs> this this has that that more um like yeah happy tone and it also
0: has it's more melody driven than yeah. some of the other ones so um uh, but it's a cool
1: track nonetheless this one you know what this reminds reminds me of is the uh, first teenage mutant ninja turtles game for the nes there's a lot is of that going it's, on it's because
0: a lot of that, that bouncy yeah all right let's get into the final boss track final boss track and uh, surprise very uneventful sounding
1: (laughs) well it's it's basically you're fighting Bowser except he's a giant space baby yes a giant (laughs) space baby
2: what do you expect
1: Uh, H.R. Giger was like on speed dial for every Japanese developer from like 1985 (laughs) to like 1992 you know (laughs)
0: absolutely Anyway, so, I mean, it's a short show, but uh, today we covered Uchu Kevitai SDF on the Nintendo Famicom, and this was composed by Hideki Kanazashi and Junishikawa. Uh, it's a lot of fun soundtrack. I mean, it's short. I, I just really have been dying to, to talk about this, and if you like the show, you can check out some of our past episodes. Um, we did that Kirby one, since we already mentioned that. Uh, it was episode 14. I had to look it up. 14 It's probably like seven years ago now. Um, But if you want to find the show notes, you can go to pixelatedaudio.com and we'll have the track list there. And if you have not already, join our Discord. It's a great place to chat, share some good music, and
1: hang out. If you like that kind of music, scroll back into our episode list and look for a picture of a spaceship. Uh, uh, There there you go. We used to cover a lot more. uh, We did an episode on Gyrus way back, 116, 116, Vertical shooters have great music. Oh, Dangerous Seed was a pretty good one too. That was uh, one of eight. Yeah, that was good. (laughs) Kind of forgot about that one because it doesn't have a number on it. (laughs) Falcium, Famicom Disk System. We did
0: Falcium like I want to say like seven years, six years ago too. That was a good one. Anyways, (laughs) if you like the show, leave us feedback. We'd appreciate that. You can find us on uh, Discord. Uh, We're also on Twitter and other social media. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you go back through our backlog. We got a lot of really fun stuff. And we have one final track taking out the show. This is the ending track, and uh, it's pretty good. Gene, got
1: anything left to plug? That I haven't mentioned already. I don't already? Have any plugs, but I will say if we're coming back to NES stuff, Brian, I might hold you to that because I got some stuff that I want to talk about. But uh, we'll. Uh... Nope, we already did it. <laughs> Bye. No, I'm just kidding. All right, nah, maybe next time. <laughs> next time.
0: Next <laughs> time. This is the ending track from Uchu Kvitai SDF. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you back very soon for the next episode.